Today's episode is brought to you by SeatGeek, the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every MLB game. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing the best plays of the year in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. If you get the SeatGeek app, you can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, instantly find seats. I was actually just browsing SeatGeek the other day, looking for Paul McCartney tickets. He was at MSG this weekend. I scoped out the options. I'm going to go see him at Barclays Center this week instead. But SeatGeek let me know what was out there. I was able to look for those tickets because SeatGeek doesn't end with sports. It also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available. And no matter what event you're attending, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. It saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats to fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, Ringer MLB Show listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code, and then enter the promo code RINGERMLB. That's all one word. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code RINGERMLB today. Welcome to the Ringer MLB Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Ben Lindbergh. I'm a writer for TheRinger.com. With me, as always, my fellow writer for The Ringer, Michael Batman. Hello. Hello. I'm very excited that we're going to have Star Trek Deep Space Nine executive producer Ronald D. Moore on the podcast. (laughs) Oh, false alarm, everyone. Don't worry. We'll start our own Star Trek podcast on our own time so that we won't burden you with your Ringer MLB feed being dominated by Star Trek. But glad some of you enjoyed that episode as we did. So today we are actually talking about baseball. And I feel like you've been holding out on me a little bit because our guest today is someone you've known about for years and had never mentioned to me. I had to find out about this player in a Jeff Sullivan Fangrass chat where he just happened to come up and I Googled him and the first Google result was a profile of this player written by you for D1Baseball.com a couple of years ago. Our guest is Nick Sine. He is a minor leaguer for the Toronto Blue Jays, played in A-ball this year. And you've been very open about your love for Brandon Geyer, who has Mm -hmm. been heard on this podcast. He is the major league king of getting hit by pitches these days. Nick Sine makes... Brandon Geyer look like he must look just like jump out of the who way. Does, who doesn't yeah. get hit by pitches <laughs> no, at all. Not at all. Nick Sine is just one of the most hit by pitch players of all time. And we actually looked this up. So Nick Sine this year had 293 plate appearances in the Midwest League. He got hit 38 times and he set a Midwest League record despite only getting into those 293 plate appearances. That is an extraordinary rate of getting hit by pitches. And this was not a first for him. He got hit a lot last year, too. He got hit a lot in college, which is when you wrote about him at Buffalo. He got hit in summer leagues. Wherever he goes, he gets hit. And we actually got some data on this from Hans van Sluten, who does stat stuff for BaseballReference.com. And I asked him, is this rate this year the most any player has ever been hit by pitches in pro baseball? And so he looked all-time minimum 250 plate appearances in a season. And there are only two guys above Nick Sine's 2017 season 
One of them is Charlie Fox in the 1951 Interstate League. That is a Class B league. And Charlie Fox supposedly was hit 41 times in 290 plate appearances. Now, that is the only year for which we have hit-by-pitch data for Charlie Fox. I'm not sure what the quality (laughs) of data in the 1951 Interstate League was. It's entirely possible that there was a typo or a transcription error at some point. He was not actually hit that many times. It's entirely (laughs) possible that they lowballed this, too, and Charlie Fox was just (laughs) riddled with holes by the end of his, his professional baseball career. So it's Charlie Fox, and then it's Omar Guerra, who in 2008 in the Venezuelan Summer League was reportedly hit 35 times in 262 plate appearances, just clearing that bar. So again, I don't know what the data quality in the 2008 Venezuelan Summer League was, but if we take those two at face value, if we say that they're right, then Nixon A is the third most plunked player ever in a single season, and he's doing it, I would say it. Probably a higher level, maybe. Certainly a higher level, yeah. Yeah, certainly than Omar Guerra. I'm not sure what the Class B League was like in 1951, but it's been a long time since anyone has come close to being plunked like Nick's today. And this is not just this year. It is a pattern in his career. So we had to have him on to find out why he gets hit so much and what it's like to get hit so much. Because we asked Brendan Geyer about that, but Brendan Geyer just doesn't come close to Nick's today. No, I mean, this is Nick's today is like if you shrank Brandon Geyer and made him much more extreme and really, really fast. Yes. Uh, he's one of the fastest college baseball players I've ever seen. And, you know, you mock me for this. Like, this is all the college baseball is, is just weird stuff like this. Like in the in, I wasn't even when I was covering college baseball, I wasn't even in a in a hotbed like Texas or or Florida or California. Like I was just out in the middle of Ohio and I went and saw Thomas Eshelman, who walked three guys his entire freshman year, will probably be up with the Phillies at some point next year. I saw mm-hmm. Sine, like all these. It's just weirdness because the quality of, ba- of baseball is still good enough that you recognize it. Is high level baseball. Like there are still guys throwing in the 90s. There are still guys capable of hitting 450 foot home runs, but it's low enough that you can get by on stuff like this. So I, yeah. I just remember I had to do the Mid American Conference preview that season, and I was going through Buffalo's roster from the year before and saw that a guy had hit like 250, 470, 290. Mm-hmm. And how does that not stick out in your head? So I had to go see him. And yeah, I, I just, I love, like, I love big 10 baseball but i love mac baseball because it's just all it's all so small and so weird and it's it's weirdly intense for mid-major baseball and in like Mm -hmm. ohio and michigan so if you're in that part of the world next spring i would absolutely take in a game so yeah Yeah. i mean maybe this this is just mounting evidence that you ought to get into college baseball next year i don't know now i'm interested in nixon because he's in pro ball Um, so (laughs) bite me no this happens all the time this happens all the time you're like no college baseball ball sucks and then as soon as you find out some specific thing like some reason that i like college baseball you're like wow that's fascinating so you know maybe college baseball is too weird it's when you get into pro ball and you're still weird that's what i'm interested and nixon a's slash line this year and we'll talk to him and he acknowledges it was not the best year with the bat he batted 215 he slugged 256 you still had a 405 on base percentage because he walked a fair about but mostly he got hit. He got hit by pitches more often than he walked, which is just really weird. Mm-hmm. 
and somehow he is still standing and still running and he stole 23 bases in 79 games too so i don't know how long this style of play can keep working for him but it has worked thus far so we are yeah. gonna have a fun chat with him he, he looks exactly like or at least he did in college uh, he looked exactly like the kind of player that you'd expect to get hit by a pitch once in every 10 plate appearances and you know steal a bunch of bases like he's mm-hmm. just the you know dirty grit and grinder type yeah. he's, he's a lot of fun right yeah 22nd round pick by the blue jays in 2015 so certainly not a top prospect but he was not like a last round pick either he was uh you know he had a chance to be a baseball player mm-hmm. and get on base and you is. can run that's that's absolutely yeah. worth a middle of the third day pick so yeah right so it's sort of a slow time for baseball that does not involve a ball players who just set a record for getting hit by pitches this is the time of year when teams start to clinch we saw the Astros and the indians clinch over the weekend and obviously we've seen that coming for quite a while and there are a couple races sort of still going on here but i am very much in playoff mode apologies to the fans of teams that are still in the running and still have things to play for but i am about ready to hit fast forward on the next couple weeks and just get to the matchups because the matchups are going to be really exciting yeah i mean that'll make for planning purposes i want to make sure that i know which (laughs) you know which city i want to go to which which point in time but hey you know if we, we want us to, to cover a pennant race down the stretch you know get on the angels to to mm-hmm. chase down the twins and we'll definitely talk about it yeah sure so one part of september baseball that i actually really enjoy uh is the expanded rosters and mm-hmm. you know not only is it, it is it getting a a look at players that you might not otherwise get a look at or you know a preview of next year's rookie of the year candidates but there's a lot of guys who you might otherwise not get uh, a chance at the majors and never more so than now because you know you've got like the Mets aren't going to bring back Noah Syndergaard and the Reds shut down Luis Castillo teams that have nothing to play for are sort of taking it easy on their pitchers so I've compiled a list of eight <laughs> names okay. and some of them are the names of pitchers who have uh, started a game and recorded a game score of at least 50 in the past 30 days and the others are the names of front men of pop punk or emo bands okay so i will acknowledge up front this is not really my musical genre it's not really my specialty not i i didn't know for sure but you know there's always a a danger (laughs) yes all right let's go okay all right Number one, Parker Bridwell. He is a pitcher. He is a pitcher. He is a pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels. Yes, and he had been very good for quite mm-hmm. some time. Yeah. Number two, Daniel Mangden. Mm, pop punk. No, he is a he threw a complete game shutout of the of the Phillies oh. this weekend. Oh wow. Um, yeah. Texas AM legend has a, a fun mustache. <laughs> okay. Number three, Jacob Junis. Pop punk. No, he's the Kansas City Royal. Ah, oh, when did he come up? Oh, I don't know anything about Jacob <laughs> Junis apart from he's pitched for the Royals this year. Yeah. Uh, he has actually started 13 games. <laughs> I can't Maybe even we spell not Jacob air Junis. This, this segment. <laughs> well, I mean, you probably can't because he spells Jacob with a K. Oh, so. okay. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to spell Jacob Junis either. I got the Junis part. Yes. All right. Jack Flaherty. <sighs> Jack Flaherty. Well, my initial inclination is baseball player. Certainly sounds like a baseball player, but maybe I'm thinking of John Flaherty or Ryan Flaherty. Maybe this is a red herring, some singer with a baseball sounding name. So I'm going to go with pop punk. No. Ugh. I psyched myself out. 21-year-old rookie St. Louis Cardinals right-hander. Mm. Uh, he has made three starts with a 608 ERA in his career. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, 
former first rounder who I, right. I had never heard of because he was drafted out of high school. If he was a college guy, I would have I would have known who he was. All right, mm-hmm. Daniel Gossett. Pop punk. No, he is a Clemson University legend and a former second round pick of the Oakland A's. I'll admit, like, I'm sort of screwing with you because of the because yeah. I know that like you did this once. There's you, a lot you of tried game to game going the, on. Yeah. You tried to to game the order of the name. So I'm, uh, I'm praying on that a little bit. You're picking Oakland Athletics on me here. Mm-hmm. Jeez, come yeah. on. I mean, certainly you can be forgiven for not knowing the seventh <laughs> and eighth starters for the Oakland Athletics. All right. Jesse Lacey. Jesse Lacey. You were finally going away from baseball on this one. Yes, he is the front man for brand new authors of the album Science Fiction out in yeah. recent weeks. If you want to right. talk to on us tour. about yeah, the excellent album Science Fiction, if you want to talk to us about that, you can find us on Twitter at Ben Lindbergh at MJ <laughs> underscore Bauman. We will be all too happy to discuss the artistic evolution of uh, New York pop punk emo giants brand new. Yeah, you can leave me out of that. Max Bemis. Max Bemis. Non-baseball again. Yeah, he's the lead singer of Say Anything. And last one, Andrew Moore. Andrew Moore, he's a baseball player. Yes, he is a right-handed pitcher for the Seattle Mariners. Right, yes. that's. I was recently studying the Mariners roster because I think they either have set a record or they're about to set a record for most pitchers used in a season, I believe. So I was yeah, they've, reviewing. They've some some outrageous uh, number Yeah, it's of like pitchers. 40, over 40, I think. Yeah, he's an Another college guy, second rounder out of Oregon State in 2015. So mm-hmm. Hmm. that was our most difficult game yet. Yeah, I mean, I I would have had trouble with with a couple of those if I hadn't looked him. You know, if I <laughs> invented the game. So yeah. Yeah, I feel like there should be a service that just alerts you to new baseball players. It's hard enough to keep track of the ones who are already there. There's always like a 12th guy in a bullpen on an NL West team. I don't see play that regularly that I don't know. And then I'm embarrassed that I didn't know him Mm -hmm. because I'll look and he was up all year. I feel like there should just be an alert that is sent when someone debuts and just gives me like a little brief bio. Here's who he is. Here's why you need to know him or not, just so I'm not caught unawares when I have to play one of these games. Yeah, I will say one thing that's helped me get to know these guys at the end of the season is looking for starting pitching during right. <laughs> during my uh, yes. my injury ravaged fantasy baseball playoffs. I would think, so. Yes, my having given up fantasy baseball is not serving me well here. Yeah, I'm doing okay though. I'm about to make the final so we'll, we'll have updates on that uh, next yes week. please college baseball and michael's fantasy yep. baseball episode of the podcast please all right so we can move from that to our guest nixon a so we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor Let me tell you about this amazing hotel booking app, Hotel Tonight. Basically, Hotel Tonight teams up with great hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means there are always incredible deals available. These aren't last resort places. They're cool, top-rated hotels you actually want to stay in. Not to mention, with a ton of awesome partner hotels in so many different countries, Hotel Tonight can help you find a great hotel almost anywhere. So whether I want to spend the weekend away on a whim, or book myself a staycation at a cool local place, Hotel Tonight is helping me be just a little more spontaneous. Not really a strength of mine. You can use it heading to a wedding, a bachelor party, going to some sporting event and staying over after. It works whatever the occasion, and you can actually even book in advance, so it's not just for last-minute getaways. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. So see for yourself. Download the Hotel Tonight app now. 
We're also brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking us for advice. What team to bet on this week? What player to start? After listening to the last segment, you probably won't ask me the second question, at least not where late season call-ups are concerned. But look, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why we always tell people to go to MyBookie.ag. MyBookie has been in this business for years, their reputation is rock solid, and they do 100% cash bonuses. So off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have the fastest payouts, just two business days. If you already know who's going to win, you can lay down some cash and win big today. So that's why we're urging you to make your way to MyBookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Just visit MyBookie.ag, that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.ag, and use the promo code RINGERMLB to activate the offer. You play, you win, you get paid. And now let's get to Nick's and A. So we are joined now by Lansing Lugnuts outfielder Nick Sine, who's just set the Midwest League record for most times hit by pitch in a season. So we're happy to talk to a record-setting baseball player. So uh, thanks for joining us, Nick. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So you and I talked your junior year at Buffalo, and you were talking about how you had just moved back off the plate for your, your junior year, and you had a lot of success that year, but you still got hit by 22 pitches. And I guess, you know, you talked about your professional ambitions, and to a certain extent, like I'm, you know, a little pleasantly surprised to see that, you know, this is still working for you that, you know, you posted a, a 400 OBP this year. So how has the, the transition been to, to professional baseball? Yeah, I mean, from college to professional, it's still it's still a transition in progress as far as my hitting and um, still to figure out what works best for me, put my tools together to utilize them. One being, you know, my speed game and still getting on base and uh, throwing the bases and being a guy that, you know, can score any time for my team. So I'd say like one of the biggest things is really my offense as far as being on the plate. This year, I kind of struggled a little bit hitting. Uh, in spring training, I, I did really well. Probably one of the best I ever hit. And then when I got to Lansing, we kind of... There was a little, there was a little thing going on with my swing and stuff. So I guess kind of my swing wasn't where I wanted to be in the first, you know, first half of the season. But I kind of stuck through it and turned around my season a little bit in the second half. So what is your theory? Because I went back and read that article Michael wrote about you a couple of years ago, and at the time it sounded like you were kind of perplexed about why you get hit by so many pitches because as you mentioned you you had moved off the plate so it's still happening at a a record level I mean this is 38 hit by pitches in 79 games that is a crazy rate so what do you think it is about you that creates all of these bruises yeah honestly I mean I from my junior year um, at Buffalo I did I did move off a little bit and I was still getting hit and honestly, I, I feel like I'm probably around the same spot where I was in college and as far as like how close I am to the plate. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know I'm closer than most guys. And just one of my buddies will go up, come up at, at bat behind me. And he's like, wow, you, you know, you stand pretty close to the plate. And for me, I just, you know, it's kind of like normal. And I don't really think about how close I am. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I just have a different perception of, how close I am as opposed to other people. Mm. So I don't know. I honestly, I am pretty close. And I think it's just having a mindset of like not moving if the ball's coming at me and just standing there and letting me, you know, letting it hit me and getting on first base because in, in college, we were, we were told, you know, we weren't, aren't supposed to get out of the way of pitches if they're coming at you just because it's an opportunity to get on base, you know, to make something happen, especially if, if your bat isn't, 
if your bat's been struggling a little bit, it's just a, another way to get you on and score runs. Mm-hmm. So technically, of course, in the rules, you are supposed to show some effort getting out of the way, right? Has an umpire ever made you stay there because you didn't think that you had made enough of an attempt to avoid the ball? Yeah, um, in college, it used to happen more so than pro ball. Uh. This year, I don't, I don't really recall an umpire. They never told me I had to come back because I didn't try to get out of the way. Because for the majority, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and get out of the way, but still keep it close enough where the, if the ball is close to me and it's going to hit me, like I'm not going to just jump out of the way and be kind of dramatic and really get out of the way. If it's close enough, I'll just make an attempt to get out of the way and it'll still hit me. So I'm not really sure I've ever seen a player quite like you. And I imagine that had to be once your your teammates, your coaches in the Blue Jays system started to get to know you a little bit. That had to be a little weird for them, too. How have they adapted to to coaching you? Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's it's more so of knowing like a different game style as, as opposed to, you know, like a lot of a lot of talk now is, you know, the long ball. So I think they take an account of what I can do and really kind of just letting me do my thing as far as getting hit by pitches and drawing walks and stealing bases because they know I'm not going to be hitting 20 home runs and, you know, driving in a bunch of runs. Like, I'm, I'm the opposite of that, you know, helping, you know, letting the guy get on base and letting that guy bring me in. So, like, they, you know, a lot of I've had a lot of good feedback from a couple of coaches in the Blue Jays organization and saying, you know, I love the way you play and that it's a, it's great. And that it really, you know, you can really tell you bust your ass every, every day and every, every pitch and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's pretty refreshing to hear that um, still guys and coaches in the organization still, uh, you know, value a player like me. And when you do get hit, do you tend to get hit on the same part of your body? Is there a particular place? Is it upper body, lower body? Yeah, it's usually um, right in my tricep area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess my kind of like my left tricep kind of hangs over the plate. Um, that's my bit a little bit, but I mean mostly there. And then I'll get hit in my hands a couple times. Sometimes in my shoulder blade and my left shoulder. I mean that's more than a hundred hit by pitches between college and the pros so far. And these are, I mean, you're padded on your on your upper arm, but you know your hands and and other places in your upper body, that's where guys tend to get hurt. So how have you managed to avoid the broken handmaid or some other injury that would have cost you a couple months? Uh, yeah, I, I, I probably don't really have a good answer to that besides, you know, the, the good Lord blessing me with without getting, you know, injured and keep me healthy and kind of still doing my thing. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's uh, if you really kind of take a look at how many times I've been hit and the places I do get hit and sometimes it'll be a couple on the shin or whatever. That's that's not ever fun. And I try to get out of my, at the ones at my legs cause I need my legs. But yeah, um, the rate that I get hit is, it's pretty kind of scary that, you know, and I'm thankful that I, that I don't get, get hurt as, as I'm sure some people would. Yeah. So when you're in the middle of a season, I mean, what does your body look like just in terms of like <laughs> black yeah. and blues in various states of healing or not? I mean, I'd, I'd imagine that you just look like the walking wounded. <laughs> it's funny because um, the booster club at with the lug nuts, I got player of the month in August and they could put a like a little basket of like goodies for me and they put a bunch of band-aids and <laughs> um, all this, this uh, wrap that I, you know, for me to use because I'm always getting hit, which was pretty funny. But yeah, like I got, I have a bunch of 
hit a lot of bruises on my tricep where like the ball hits my skin and pinches my Evo shield. Mm. I get a lot of blood blisters Uh that last quite some time. I got some scars, but I mean, I guess it's kind of just the norm for me that I have bruises everywhere and, you know, some on my thighs and stuff like that, but it's honestly not, not that big of a deal to me. Is there any particular routine that you go through that you've learned that helps the bruises go down? Are you icing a lot? Is there anything you can do to kind of keep yourself out there despite being hit so often? Yeah. Um, my trainer always comes over and checks me out and makes me more smart, but he never really says anything about, you know, getting ice or anything like that. And, you know, I'll, I'll text my mom after the game and I'll be like, Hey, I got hit by a pitch. She's like, are you icing or whatever? I'm like, no. So honestly, I just kind of, I don't do anything. I just take a shower after the game and, uh, <laughs> just wear it really. What is your, I mean, this has to be kind of a weird experience for your mom too. Cause she has to be thrilled that you're playing professional baseball. But on the other hand, you know, she's either watching or, or hearing about you, uh, getting pummeled every once every couple of games. So how does, how does she take all this? Pretty good. Um, in college, she was more nervous. I know she, she didn't like when I got hit and I asked her, I think this year in the beginning, I'm like, don't you get nervous? That, like I'm getting hit all the time. And she's like, no, not really anymore. Like I used to, but now I'm used to it. Like I know you'll be all right and you got to do what you got to do. So she's not really surprisingly not nervous anymore about uh, me getting hit or hurt. And what kind of reactions do you get either from teammates or from opposing pitchers? I mean, do pitchers get frustrated when they hit you and they didn't think that it was going to hit you or do teammates kind of like look at this and, and marvel at how often it happens? Oh my god, my yeah, my teammates they love it. They <laughs> they like they were more like excited for me to break the Midwest League record of hit by pitches than I was. They're like they're they're cheering me on. They're like, Today's the day, like you're gonna break it. Um or they're like counting down, they're like, All right, four more, that's all you need and I'm like, All right, man, like yeah, you say that because you're not the one getting hit, but you know, I am. Um, so they, they really love it and they think it's awesome. You know, you don't really see that many guys getting hit as many times as I do. So I think it's kind of different. So that's probably why they like it as much. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, from the opposing pitchers, oh, I'll, uh, I'll get hit and I'll just drop my bat and, you know, start jogging down and they'll be dropping F-bombs and <laughs> swearing. And I can always tell that they're not too happy. I talked to one of my, my pitchers, Mike Ellenbest and actually Andy Ravel too. And, you know, I'm just kind of talking about what do you guys hate the most? And they're like guys like you that stand out like close to the plate. <laughs> and, you know, pitchers want to throw in that to guys that are that are close to the plate. But obviously, the closer you are, you know, the more opportunity you get hit. So, you know, I think guys see me as not a big guy. And so they're going to challenge me and they're going to come in with, you know, fastball. And if, if they let it run a little bit too much, it's going to go right into me. So they, they you know, they, they talk to me about that kind of stuff. And pitchers don't like guys that stay on so i think it kind of makes pitchers nervous and you know if they mess up the slightest bit you know i'm gonna be on first base the code of of retaliation doesn't apply to you then so they don't have to <laughs> yeah like they I, I don't yeah it's it's funny because uh you know there's a couple guys that i've seen this year that get hit and they get all mad and upset and throw their bat and you know look at stare down the pitcher where like me like even if it was on purpose like i feel like it would just from like the normal me would just get hit and run down the first like <laughs> you know i don't even look at the pictures 
you know, draw my bat and head down there, even if it does hurt sometimes. And you mentioned Andy Ravel. He played at Kent State. So did you two have any any history going back to college? Yeah, we um, talked a little bit. We didn't really know each other. We kind of knew of each other. Uh, we talked about it, and I, I remember one game that I did real well off him and he was like, no, that wasn't, that wasn't me. And I'm like, dude, I, I remember like, I knew it was you pitching and I got a, I hit a double and like stole third and scored from home. And he was, he was pretty upset as far as like, you know, any bad, bad blood or anything like that. He's a good dude. And we had a lot of season. So your stats, you know, you've managed to, as Michael said, keep your on base percentage over 400, basically at every level you've played at for any significant amount of time so far. And as long as you can keep doing that, you're going to keep getting chances to play. Do you think there will come a time when this won't work so well, when, I don't know, either pitchers have better control and can avoid you better or just something else comes along that won't be able to cope with as well? I mean, can this keep working? Because like Michael said, there's there's no one who exactly has done this, you know, maybe exactly the way that you're doing it at the major league level, but it's working so far. Right. Yeah. Um, I do know that like, you're not good. You're not going to, Dennis Holmberg, he was my Bluefield coach in rookie ball. And he always said, you know, you're not going to walk your way up to the big leagues, mm-hmm. which means, you know, you got to hit, you got to swing the bat. Right. And I know that's, that's got to be the same for hit by pitches. Um, like a positive side is that, yeah, I'm getting on base and I have over 400 on base percentage, which is great. And, you know, that's where I need to be. But also I do know that I need to put together my hitting and hit a bit more, be more consistent at the plate. So I don't have to rely if I'm really struggling to get hit by a pitch and get on base. Cause that's what happened. This year. My bat had struggled for a while and, you know, I was thankful that I was still getting on base by getting hit or drawing walks. And my bat was kind of non-existent for a little while. So, you know, I, I think uh, I think that it, it only helped me because if I can do this and still get on base and, you know, not be as strong at the play um, more and, and consistent that once I figure out the hitting and uh, put everything together, that it's just going to be a it's going to be a nightmare for the other team. Yeah. The, the reason that people say that you can't walk your way to the big leagues, I guess, is that you have to strike some fear into pitchers or eventually they will just kind of pound the zone against you. And if you can't prove that you can punish them for that, then they can keep doing that. Right. And eventually those walks will go away. I don't know if that applies equally to hit by pitches. If you're getting hit by pitches that are pretty close to the strike zone because of the way that you stand at the plate, I don't know if that's something that pitchers can avoid as well as walks. So maybe that would be a little more durable and sustainable than just walking a lot when guys don't have the control to to throw strikes to you. But it'll be fascinating to see. Do you expect to be back at the same level to start next season or have they told you anything about that or about what they want you to work on over the winter? Yeah. Um, they haven't really put me much, to be honest. If I had a guess, I would probably be at the same level. And then you know, if I do well, probably within maybe the first couple of months, I, you know, I'll get a promotion. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that I'm going to go up to a high A cause I don't, I don't know if I've really earned it where my hitting was this year, but far as like my defense and all that, all that stuff, I, I do feel like I, I played well enough, you know, defensively that I could get promoted. So I think like promotions really with hitting, that's, that's how I look at it and just being consistent. And I, you know, I, uh, I was pretty surprised as far as 
being in low A and guys did have a lot better control than when I was in rookie ball in Bluefield. And I was really surprised as to that I was still getting hit and I was getting hit actually more than I was in Bluefield because the guys had better control. And, you know, that that's one thing that I, I've seen from Bluefield to uh, Lansing that pitchers that have more command and can throw more pitches for strikes. It's just kind of funny how I got hit way more. So there are on-base guys who sort of get to first and they're sort of station to station, and you're definitely not one of them. You know, you can do something with, with it once you get on first base. So how has base running and base stealing changed uh, now that you're in pro ball? Yeah, um, it's uh, gotten, I feel like now in pro ball that you you only have one pitch to really go on. Like you, you can't miss that opportunity to steal a base and your timing and your jumps and your leads have to be, I wouldn't say all perfect, but pretty close to perfect. So I'm kind of, I'm still trying to learn as to still getting the best jumps I can get, the best reads off the pitchers and the best opportunities to go. So that's kind of still where I'm at. And, you know, as the more I steal, you know, the better I will be and the more experience I will. So in the Blue organization, it's pretty good because they tell us to run, run, run but we don't care if you get thrown out. We want you to, you know, get the, get the practice in and, you know, get the experience of that. Uh, I was going to ask about that because you had a couple of, of really big prospects in your lineup in Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I was curious if there was any, don't steal in front of Vlad because he's probably going to get you over to third base anyway. Yeah. Um, there's a time to just when Bo and Vlad are at the plate, there's a time when to go. You know, it's not always you should be going um, necessarily. You know, like you kind of have to pick the situation when they are up because of their bats to get you in. And you know, you, if you get thrown out, you take away their uh, their RBI too. So guys like that, I kind of have to be a little bit more cautious as to one making sure that I'm 100% sure that I'm gonna steal the bat and not get thrown out, and my jump is perfect the way I want it to be and then if you know if I get a bad jump I need to know that uh, Vlad's at the plate and I got to shut it down and get back to first base or to second you know so looking back to to the beginning how do you think that you ended up as this type of player I, I mean did a coach or someone in your family say here's how you stand at the plate here's how you're gonna work the pitchers and get your way on base or did you just instinctively sense this is the kind of player I'm gonna have to be or were you modeling yourself after some major leaguer that you enjoyed watching I would I honestly I think it was just uh, just playing baseball I really don't I don't really have an answer as to like if anybody ever you know said to stand closer to you know that on base percentages is, you know, great. I think I just kind of evolved in this player. I kind of took in account as to, you know, my frame and how I'm built. I always knew I was not, I'm not going to be a, a big power guy. I'm, you know, I'm five, nine and I'm fast. So I kind of, it was just kind of realistic as to my tool is speed. And that's really what got me drafted that, you know, I can be, you know, a threat and on the bases and at the play as far as, the things I do. And I think I just kind of evolved into, into the player I am. So this is a sort of off topic a little bit, but Buffalo canceled its, its baseball program this spring. And there was a, an incredible, but also heartbreaking in-depth article in the Buffalo news about it that I would encourage anybody to anybody listening to go read, but I'm curious how you found out about it what that process was, was like from, from your perspective. Cause 
your head coach was still there. You still had former teammates there. How, how did you deal with that from afar? Yeah, so um, I came back after last year's season, and I actually took a full semester of classes at Buffalo. So I, I was back uh, last fall living in, in Buffalo, taking classes, and I would wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and go lift with the uh, the Buffalo baseball team just because I was still close to my coach and my strength coach and have the guys really see like a professional guy that went to Buffalo and show those guys how uh, pro works and how he gets after in the weight room. So I spent a lot of time with the guys that were on the team last year. And yeah, they, they let me know that the um, baseball program was getting discontinued and it really hit home with for me because, you know, a guy that didn't really have that many offers to play division one baseball, you know, a, a good school like Buffalo and a solid baseball program for guys in New York to be part of D1 and baseball. It's, you know, it really hit home and it was pretty tough to see that what an opportunity for me to go get, you know, drafted and play good baseball is, you know, ripped out from all these other guys that either are committed or maybe in the future have an opportunity to play there and do the same like me. So this is my last one. What are you going to do uh, this off season? What are you trying to work on? You know, I, I imagine it's, it's a little tougher to, to work on baseball skills in, in Syracuse and upstate New York than it would be in like Miami over the winter. So, you know, how do you work around that? What's your, what are your plans for this off season? Yeah. Um, from here till December, um, I'm just going to kick back and take a block on my classes and get back in the weight room. But um, once December hits, I'm going to get together with um, my buddy, Tom Murphy, who went to Buffalo too and got drafted in the third round with the Colorado Rockies. And he has um, some showtime with the Rockies. Um, we're going to train together and probably work out and all that kind of stuff and hit and kind of just get back into things. And he helps me out a lot with my swing and gives me a bunch of tips and throws me BP and I do the same for him. And we got a good little system that we meet up every day and work out for, you know, from nine till three o'clock. So it's, uh, that's probably what will happen uh, this year. All right. Well, thanks for, for coming on. Congratulations on the record. And we're, we're happy to see you're, you're uh, experiencing so much success in the pros. Awesome. Thank you so much for giving me a call and opportunity to talk to you guys. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Next record you set or, you know, once you, you get up to the major leagues, we'll have you back on. Oh man, that'd be great. Sounds good to me. All right. So I was thinking that we need to nickname Nixon A because as far as we're aware, he does not have one. And it seems like a player who stands out the way that he does should have a nickname. And we know that his family is <laughs> probably listening to this episode. So we have to have a nice nickname. Not that mm -hmm. I wouldn't have anyway, but I don't know. Does anything stand out to you? It's tough because you want to, the first impulse is alliteration, right? You yep. know, if not to his own name, you know, there's not like something that gets hit with stuff a lot that starts with an N or an S, right? No, not really. I yeah, it's, I, I was trying to come up with something rhyming or alliterative. I couldn't come up with anything great. And then you just end up with some like old school nickname, like the human black and blue or something yeah, like the, that. The bruise or something like right. that or target Bruiser, practice. Yeah, and, you know, I, I that sounds know. like a World War II bomber. And right. that's not really the aesthetic that I mean we could go for the genre of commerce comet or Millville mm -hmm. Meteor. I mean yes. the, the Marcellus um <laughs> you know if if you were from a you know <laughs> if you're from a town that started with a D you could be like the the Dover dartboard or something. But right. you know, yeah. the nail Nick 
the nail. Nick the nailed? Uh, no. No, the nail. Like, you know, the, the thing you beat on with a hammer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that that <laughs> might guess. be a little too close to, to Lenny Dykstra, though, because mm, that's... That too. Yeah. Nails. I'm also kind of worried about him. <laughs> I hope that he's okay, because this he is a lot okay. of... <laughs> he seems fine. Yeah. I just, I mean, man, that is a, a lot of abuse for your body to take. So I just am glad that the balls are evidently hitting his triceps more than anything else. So I hope that continues to be the case. Yeah. So if you got if you got suggestions for yeah. a nickname for for Nixon A, then uh, yes, yeah, feel free to write in. We'll we'll curate them, and if we get anything good, we will update and and of course credit whoever comes up with the mm-hmm. whoever unlocks the alliteration. Yes, please. I think we need for a good nickname. So mm-hmm. we, he definitely does need one though. This is it's, it's yes. just too. I was going to say throwbacky, but there's you know they're didn't used to be players no. like this either. So. I know. When I <laughs> told you I was getting those stats, you were like, well, there had to be someone in 1918. Well, like <laughs> there's just been so much baseball. Right, there's been sure. unfathomable <laughs> amounts of professional baseball over the past 150 yeah. years. I thought, you know, everything has happened, but apparently only just this. Yeah, no. And it's true, I guess, also that the hit by pitch rate in the majors, at least, has never been higher than it is now. It's a little surprising. Yeah, we're at 0.37 hit-by-pitches per game right now, which is close to the most of all time. The highest are in the 1890s and 1900s, if that is accurate. That was the case. And, of course, the if ball was not going as hard <laughs> those days. Yeah, right. And then it was very high also in the early aughts, but it's just about at the highest level it's ever been in modern baseball, which is maybe just because guys are throwing harder, it's harder to get out of the way. And say guys are bigger, you know, it's yeah, guys are bigger. Sure. I mean, you're not allowed to wear the, this might've been the reason for the turn of the century spike, but you remember Barry Bonds's Mm -hmm. three foot wide hockey goalie elbow pad you know you're Mm -hmm. not allowed to wear those but everybody's wearing the little evo shield guards on their their elbow now yeah yeah and guys are going for strikeouts so maybe you're more likely to throw outside the zone and and hitters are taking their biggest cuts all the time so maybe they're already committed to swinging it's hard to get out of the way so lots of reasons for that i don't know if they all apply to a ball or not but wherever nixon a goes that has been the case he is single-handedly or single triceptly raising (laughs) the hit by pitch rate on his own so yeah, we, we wish, wish him well him continued success <laughs> yes. know, you got, you know, i hope he keeps you know getting the crap beat out of him uh, yeah <laughs> well i hope he can continue to get hit by pitches as long as he wants to play yeah. baseball <laughs> i guess because that's so, the only way it's working for now a so. weird set of things to root for yeah so. all right so you've been listening to the ringer mlb show part of the ringer podcast network we will talk to you on thursday Things change, the weather changes, your mood definitely changes. So why lock yourself into plans that might change? With Hotel Tonight, you don't have to, because you'll get incredible deals on awesome hotels even at the last minute. Booking on Hotel Tonight gives you the freedom and flexibility to play things by ear while knowing you'll score a great price and a great place to stay. So download the Hotel Tonight app to find seriously amazing deals now.